0: morning we're going to look at a message that I've titled, The Cost of Freedom, Blood. The cost of freedom is blood. Today we celebrate our Independence Day as a nation. Independence simply means freedom. As our Freedom Day. And on this day, 245 years ago from today, that's a long time ago, my kids this morning were like, well, what if somebody was still alive today, who was around back then, and we're like, well, that'd be pretty cool, but there's nobody who is still around from back then. 245 years is a long time. But on that day, America's founding fathers signed what we call or know as the Declaration of Independence. If you've never read it, look it up and read it. It's a long document. It's fascinating, um, but it's got 27, that I counted anyways, grievances in there that they had issues with, with King George II of England. So this is a little history as we go into our message for today. See, King George refused to rule by England's laws. He was making himself a tyrant and America was feeling the pressure under King George as he was pulling their representation away, taxing them, which was against England's law and he was enforcing that. And so the founding fathers wrote these specific grievances, said we've tried to work together, we've approached him, we've approached different leaders. Many times it hasn't worked and then they wrote this Declaration of Independence. But there was a price that had to be paid once that document was drafted. The cost of that document, specifically according to the records, was 4,435 soldiers that lost their lives, colonial soldiers only. That's not counting the the English soldiers, but the colonial soldiers. So 4,435 gave their blood for that declaration of freedom. See, blood is often the cost that is paid in order for there to be freedom. More than one million Americans since that time in various conflicts, more than one million soldiers have died since 245 years ago, since 1776. Three of those, the three largest ones, and there are other ones, and, and we could go through and name them all, but The three largest ones that I saw in the records were where slaves were set free and when world tyranny was stopped in World War I and World War II. So in the Civil War, it cost 364,000 Union soldiers, just the North, 364,000. In World War II, just the American soldiers was 116,000. In World War... Now that was one. World War II, 405,000. Just American soldiers that gave, that shed their blood in order for there to be freedom against tyranny and against slavery. So today we enjoy many of the freedoms that we do, not because we have earned them, but because there's been a price that was paid for them, for us. And what we are enjoying as a nation, it has not come cheap. This is not a message on American freedom this morning. You'll see where we're going. This is by way of introduction to today. We are free to gather to worship without fear of arrest. We don't come here into our local church worried that some um, political government force is going to come in and capture us and put us in prison. We have that freedom as of now. We are free to teach our children God's ways. We are free to make the most of our own lives, to make most of our own decisions, and mostly to live how we want to. Sometimes, you know, as Maureen was sharing, that freedom may not actually be freedom, but we as Americans have much freedom in that sense to, to make our own decisions. And we have it pretty good. This kind of puts things in perspective. We're not living in a concentration camp We're not barely surviving on rations that are given to us. We're not locked away because of our faith. We're not living in poverty. And for all these things, we can say thank you today on our Independence Day for the blood that was shed of those who've gone before us. But if political freedom is costly, spiritual freedom is much more costly. The price of political freedom in America has been the blood of many soldiers. That's a very high cost. But the price of our spiritual freedom has been the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of God's very own Son. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. He says, Knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It is the blood of Christ that paid our ransom, that paid the price for us to be set free. And today we celebrate our Christian Independence Day, the day that each one of us gave our life to Jesus Christ. The day that each one of us accepted his blood shed for us on that cross. When Peter wrote these verses, he was likely thinking back a long time ago, about maybe 1,500 years before, if I counted that right, in Israel's history, to a time when Israel experienced their freedom from slavery. They were in the land of Egypt. And we read about this account in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. We'll read that in a little bit. But the history that we find in this account is Israel, the nation, they were slaves. They were in captivity. They were in Egypt. It had been a place of safety for them quite a while before this, but it had turned into their place of slavery where they were not free to do what they wanted. They were not free to go where they wanted. And so God sent Moses as a deliverer to set his people free and as part of that deliverance god sent 10 plagues on them as a nation the final one of those 10 plagues was that god said all the firstborn in egypt would die the firstborn sons i believe it is would die in egypt as that final plague and god said but there is a remedy so that this does not happen if you sacrifice a lamb and you take the blood of that perfect lamb, and you put it on your doorposts, the angel of death that's coming through, killing all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, will pass over your house. And there we get the word, and they get the word, pass over, when that blood was shed and put on the doorposts. So that's the history behind it. So let's go to Exodus chapter 12 and read through this passage in verses 1 through 13 because this is important. Leading up to what Jesus did for us. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb, according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if a household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor can take shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted in the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you, When I strike the land of Egypt. So that's the history of the Passover in the land of Israel. And there are two um, specific things I want to point out, two specific verses that I want to point out from this history. In verse 2 of Exodus chapter 12, God said to the people, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It will be the first month of the year for you. God's telling Israel, This is a master reset in your history. This is point zero. This is the first day, the beginning of the year. This is like January 1st, the celebration of the new year. It was such a big deal to them. And like I said, like a master reset. And see, when we accept what Jesus did on the cross, when we accept his blood that was shed for us, that day of our lives is like a master reset in our lives. It is like the first day of a new beginning when we accept Jesus as our Savior and the blood that he shed for us. The Apostle Paul referenced this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 17 and 18. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And And this is from God who through Christ reconciled to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So it's like this is day one of a new life for you when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the blood that he shed. The reason that our lives are changed, the reason that we are restored to favor with God, the reason that a difference is is we begin changing, our lives begin changing, If you look up the word reconcile, it means all of these things, to be compounded with change, to um, be restored to favor, to make atonement. The reason for all of that is because Jesus Christ shed his blood. He paid the price for our freedom. I said, when you accept this freedom, this is day one of a new life for you. And we see that right in Israel's history, back when the Passover happened. The other thing that I want to point out is in verse 13. <clears throat> the verse 13 of Exodus 12 says, "The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." What was the distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians at this point? What was the difference between them? It was the blood. The blood made the difference between these two nations. God didn't say that he would uh, review the works of Israel and make sure that they were good enough for him to pass over them instead of the Egyptians. Because if he had done that, they would have been in trouble, just like the Egyptians would have been in trouble. What they did was very important. But God said the most important, the changing factor for you is the blood that was offered and sacrificed because this is the price that's paid for you to be set free. It was an awesome demonstration of the grace of God to the nation of Israel as he set them free from the land of Egypt. They had to believe God. They had to do exactly what God told them to do in regards to accepting the blood, and they would be set free. As I said, this is a foreshadow. This is what Jesus Christ came to earth to fulfill, the the sacrifice once and for all when he shed his blood on that cross 1,500 or so years later after this Passover. And that blood provides eternal protection for us, freedom for those who believe in God, who accept that blood, that sacrifice, and who live for him. I have a side note on the history of blood, and I call this Don't Eat It. If you're familiar with your Bible at all, you will, you'll know passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament that say you can you know, eat all sorts of food, but don't eat the blood. Well, here's some history on that. The very first time that we find that is in Genesis chapter 9. We've just come through the account of the flood. Noah and his family are, are now free and replenishing the earth. And this is the first time in the history of mankind where they can eat meat. Imagine for so much time beforehand, um, mankind was herbivore, not omnivore. But it changes at this point. And as part of this change, God is going through some instructions with Noah. And he says in Genesis 9 and verse 4, in instructing Noah, he says, You shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. So this is the first time we find this in the Bible. You shall not eat blood Of things that are living or have been living. It doesn't give us any other reason here. It goes through sanctity of life in verses 5 and 6 that people's lives are very important, but it doesn't specifically give a reason why people aren't supposed to eat blood. But we find it now then when we go into the law of Moses in Leviticus chapter 17. This was fascinating, so bear with me. In Leviticus chapter 17 verses 10 through 12. It says, "If any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and I will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is the blood, or is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Therefore I have said to the people of Israel, no person among you shall eat blood." Neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat blood. God's reason that he told Israel not to have blood was he said, this is not food. I gave the blood as an atonement for sin. So don't consider it food. It's not on the same level as food. It has a much higher purpose. The blood represents the life that is shed for freedom to be set free, to make atonement. Blood has a very high purpose. This is why, and this story came to mind, Sarah and I were discussing this, and it came to mind, there's a passage with King David, and he's, he's um, I forget where he is in a certain place, but the enemies, the Philistines, are blocking the well where he knew there was great water. And he said, oh, if I could just have water from this well. And if you're familiar with the story, Three of his mighty men went and broke through the Philistine army and went to that well. They got him water and they brought it back to him. You might be wondering where I'm going with this, but you'll see the connection. So they bring David a cup of water. And you know what King David does with that cup of water? He says, I can't drink this. And he pours it out on the ground. And Sarah and I were going, How would you feel? if you had just risked your life for the king to go get him what he said he really wanted and you brought it back and he said, I'm not going to drink that, and he poured it out on the ground. But he had a very specific reason for that. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 13 through 17. We're not going to read the whole passage, but it's 2 Samuel 23, 13 through 17. We'll read... Verse 16 and 17, then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. David's specific reason was these men risked their very life. They were in a way sacrificing their own lives to get this water. And David said, this water then is as if I was drinking their life, their blood. That is a very, as I said, blood is not meant for food. It's meant for atonement. And David said, I can't do this. I can't eat this. It's almost against God's very ways. And he poured it out as an offering before the Lord that is because Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, says blood is for atonement, not for food. So, interesting history as a side point anyways. If, and, and that's one of the few commands that carried on to the Gentiles in the New Testament church was don't, don't eat blood. It still carries on a purpose. See, blood atones, as it said in Leviticus. Atonement is, is a word we don't really use anymore, but it simply means to wipe off. Or it's a cover over. So blood wipes things away or it covers things over. You may have heard somebody plead the blood of Jesus over something. That's the thought of covering whatever that is with the blood of Jesus. Or when we ask for forgiveness, it is the blood of Jesus that lets our sins be wiped away. You may have heard somebody say that your slate is like a clean slate. It's like it's been erased. Well, in reality, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that set us free in that way. It set us free from our past. It set us free from our sins. It continually does so as we as imperfect people make mistakes and we ask for God's forgiveness. It's his blood that cleans us, that wipes those things away. That is the atonement, again, just a fancy word for that. It says in Hebrews 9, verse 22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Blood has to be shed for forgiveness, in Hebrews 9, 22. And then in Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew 26, 28. My blood, Jesus said, is so you can be forgiven you can be atoned for. I am paying the price, Jesus said, of my blood to set you free. Again, blood is the price of our freedom as we walk with the Lord. Blood also sets free. You'll see this word referenced different times in the Bible using the word ransom. Well, we're familiar with that mostly in our society. If you Follow any sort of technical news, somebody will ransom a company's files and then require them to pay to get those files back when that pipeline went down a couple months ago it was because there they had been ransomed with ransomware you know as far as I understand how it all works they'd been hijacked and stuff had been stolen and they said, well, if you want this back, you need to pay that's a ransom that is paid and um The Bible uses that word ransom as a comparison to what Jesus did for us. See, in Exodus chapter 12, with the Passover, the blood that was put on the doorposts was evidence that a substitute had been made, and God would pass over the Israelites. And they were saved out of bondage, and their firstborn were saved from destruction because a substitute had been made. In other words, a ransom had been paid for them. That verse that we read earlier at near the beginning in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Peter uses that word ransom in reference to the benefits of the blood of Christ. You have been ransomed. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus said this. Mark 10, 45, he said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his blood, his very life, as a payment, a substitute for us. So blood sets free. We find a verse in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. It says in Revelation twelve, eleven, "...and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony." For they love not their lives unto death. Blood also helps us to conquer the blood of Jesus Christ. They have conquered him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, our final verse for today. Revelation 5, verse 9. Says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you were ransomed. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. This is a song that people are singing in heaven, and it says a new song. And what does their new song say? You were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. This is a song that's going to be giving God glory throughout eternity. Our worship in heaven will be centered and focused on the great price that was paid for our salvation. That price is the blood that was shed. Again, the price of freedom is the blood. So today we remember our Independence Day as a nation. We remember you know, that specific war 245 years ago. And, and the other ones throughout our history that have brought us and kept us free, our Christian perspective, to serve the Lord here. But more importantly, we celebrate our Christian Independence Day, the day that Jesus Christ came to earth, the day he shed his blood to pay the price for our freedom. Today is a day we can say a big thank you to God for that, because without that, we would not be free. We would be slaves for eternity and in bondage. But he paid the price. The central message of the Bible is an invitation to know God. That's a central theme. Some people have referred to the Bible as a love letter from God to his people. But it's an invitation for us to get to know him, to spend time with him. But none of this would be possible except that Jesus came and gave and shed his blood on the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We would be eternally lost. But the sacrifice has been made. The way has been opened, and we are free to come to God, to worship him, to receive what has been done for us. And I was talking with Sarah and somebody else, I don't even remember who, earlier this week, and and we were saying, you know, never take for granted that everybody you're looking at even sitting in your own church, has accepted Jesus as their Savior. That should never be just a a given because maybe there's somebody who has not. And so I give that opportunity today. If you've never taken that step of obedience to say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came and that you died here on earth and you shed your blood for my sins. I believe that and Lord, I ask you to forgive me. If you've never done that, now's a perfect time. There is no better time than now. Tomorrow is not a good time, because you never know what will happen in life. Today, now, is the best time. And on the basis of God's sacrifice, of Jesus' sacrifice for you on the cross, you can ask God to forgive you your sins and commit your life To him. So, why don't we take a moment before we come to the communion table? And if you have not done that, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you could say something very simple to Him along those lines. For those of us who are already here and have already accepted Jesus as our Savior and believed in his sacrifice made on that cross, we must continue to put our faith in Him. We must continue to ask His forgiveness when we do wrong when we do sins against him and such, and to ask him to forgive us. So if you have something that comes to mind and you already believe in Jesus and his sacrifice for you, but you know you've done something against him and you're living in a way that doesn't please him, now is the perfect time to make that right too. There is no better time than today. Tomorrow's not a good time. There's no better time than now. So let's go to the Lord for a minute and you take that to him yourself and then we'll come to the communion table.